0: It's been said by Thomas Keating that meditation and contemplation is sort of the original divine therapy. In other words, that meditation and contemplation can actually touch the deep wounds of our life that are primarily delivered through relationship and heal us not only in the soul, but in the mystery of the connection of the soul and spirit with the brain and body The practice of meditation and contemplative prayer connecting sort of the deep parts of our brain and our embodied self with the reliability of God and God's love actually causes the neurons that are related to secure attachment to fire and to wire together. And so I can actually experience a a transformation in my actual physiology in the way that my brain works through meditation and contemplation.
1: Friends, welcome back to the Become Good Soil podcast. And today in the studio, I am joined by my lovely wife, Sherry Snyder. Hi, Sherry. Welcome.
0: Hi, Morgan.
1: We are really excited uh, to share with you a three-part Series on the spiritual practice of contemplative prayer or meditation. And it's an area that's just fraught with both misunderstanding and also, uh, in our experience, people's just failed attempts um, to enjoy the treasure that is available of the kingdom of God through this practice. And so what I wanted to do was host the space primarily for Sherry, because she has has invested quite a bit of time both in study and practice and exploration in curiosity about this discipline. And frankly, has experienced a lot of fruit from it that she's brought to our family and our marriage. And so what I wanted to do was host the space to explore with fresh eyes, with fresh thinking, with a fresh openness to God in what He might want to bring to us, His apprentices, in this time, um, in this space. So I'm going to turn to a conversation between Sherry and I. Sherry, a while back, you led me and a small community of friends through a day workshop on this category of contemplative prayer, and you taught on it, you invited us into your journey with it over quite a number of years, and then we practice it together, and it was so rich, it was such a treasure. In that time, I really felt the Spirit say, let's bring that into this studio, let's grab some of those ideas, some of that experience, some of that practicing, and share that with our friends and allies near and far through the Become Good Soil podcast. So thank you for joining me and setting apart this time uh, today. Thank you, buddy. So Cher, just to start, I have uh, several questions for you. What led you to begin exploring or practicing what is kind of commonly and loosely known as contemplative prayer?
0: What led me to this is, in many ways, a combination of pleasure and discovery, as well as pain and discouragement in my walk with God. And I think it's so interesting that it it was both pleasure and pain that Allured me here. What I found was such a contrast between my experience of life and the life that seemed available, expressed through the scriptures. And I was both invigorated by the vision of this with God life and also perplexed at the chasm uh, that seemed to be in my life between my experience of life, my emotional life, primarily my interior life and the interior life of those who know God and walk with Him in full and dynamic ways. And I became really curious about what is the chasm about, and what does it mean to explore it and to trust that there is a way where there appears to be no way, that there would actually be a way for me to experience the with God life, even though I felt perhaps uniquely disqualified from it based on the challenges I have just in terms of a complicated and complex interior life that has often been very challenging and overwhelming for me.
1: It's really good. Sherry, as we're diving into contemplative prayer, and sometimes it might even be referred loosely to meditation let's let's get to an kind of an operational definition how would you define mm-hmm. contemplative prayer or sum up what mm-hmm. you mean
0: yes how i have come to represent contemplative prayer just in my own current level of understanding is it is prayer that is seeking direct experience direct realization of god rather than simply thinking about god or talking about God, or sort of mentally and scholastically knowing about God. Contemplative prayer has to do with a whole person contact with God, not only with what we might call the traditional idea of our intellect, but also with our emotions, with our corporal self, our embodied self. So whole person, direct realization and contact with God is my experience of contemplative prayer.
1: You made reference to the body and how this category of prayer involves the whole person, including the body. One of those categories that seems like is a a real conversation piece these days is the brain and neuroplasticity and how— prayer actually does affect the brain. There's been lots of research on this. And frankly, I'll confess, it gets pretty complicated for me to kind of understand all that. I'd love for you to break it down a little bit. How does the category of contemplative prayer relate to the brain and the actual physiology of what's happening inside the human person? Yeah.
0: Morg, as we're talking, I can just feel emotion rising in me, and it is just the emotion of gratitude. I just um, am so grateful to God, to the active, pursuing Trinity, for finding me in such dislocated places through this practice. And truly, we talk about in the idea of being romanced by God, this idea of God strumming the chords in us that no one else knows how to play. I just am so aware that God's invitation for me to follow this path of great contemplative and mystical practices of, of saints from millennia past has truly been life-saving for me. It saved me in my mind, in my emotions, and is saving me in my mind and my emotions. And invigorating me, Morgan, I can honestly say I feel more excited to be alive in God's universe because of this invitation than I think I ever have. So I just have to say it out loud, proclaim it to my own body and over my own story, and um, before the Trinity, my gratitude for this. So to the question—this question around the brain is so personal for me because I've had—just again, to reference the complexity of my interior life— For so much of my life, my internal experience of life had a lot of really intense, almost consuming and overwhelming negative experiences in my body. I was more familiar with the feelings of shame, the prickling of my skin, the sick to my stomach, the flushing of my face, the inner paranoia, and just waiting for inevitable rejection and waiting for an inevitable condemnation and expulsion from the human race. Just a ton of hyper-vigilance in my body. And so much of that stems from the way that my nervous system was experiencing life in this universe, that there was constant danger because of our deep need for secure belonging that we find that secure attachment in relationship is perhaps the most potent consolation to the nervous system. It is what communicates to our nervous system that we um, are not in danger. And that when there's a lack of strong emotional bonds, the survival responses in the body, the perception of threat can even be stronger than might be in someone who has secure emotional bonds. And so one of the powerful, powerful, powerful realities of of the power of meditation and contemplative prayer is that it actually creates um, a sense of secure belonging physiologically in the body. We say neuroplasticity, one of the ways we can easily understand that is this idea that neurons that fire together wire together and in the sense of when we accumulate new experiences that reinform our neurobiology, our neurophysiology, the physiology of our brain. So, let's say, for example, that I've spent most of my life being informed of insecure emotional bonds, bonds that I couldn't rely on, bonds that felt like it was really heavily up to me to secure belonging, me being vigilant to not be too much and to be enough and to really feel a lot of pressure to secure the emotional bond. And therefore, my nervous system was really informed of the contingencies of emotional attachment. In contrast, the practice of meditation and contemplative prayer connecting sort of the deep parts of our brain and our embodied self with the reliability of God and God's love— actually causes the neurons that are related to secure attachment to fire and to wire together. And so I can actually experience a a transformation in my actual physiology in the way that my brain works through meditation and contemplation. It's been said by Thomas Keating that meditation and contemplation is sort of the original divine therapy In other words, that meditation and contemplation can actually touch the deep wounds of our life that are primarily delivered through relationship and heal us, not only in the soul, but in the mystery of the connection of the soul and spirit with the brain and body. And it's just so wonderful to think of the provision of God, to provide this direct realization of God's love— that need not be mediated through any other person, it's free, it doesn't require any equipment, it's available to all people everywhere. And um, to me, it just really helped assure me and represent to me the goodness, the prevailing goodness of the Trinity, to say, I will provide for you, to have these deep hearts full of desire for relationship, but live in a world where our hearts can be broken that God has made this provision for all people everywhere through the gift of the way He's made our brains and bodies and spirit and the way He's allowed these practices to be so healing and generative for us.
1: Sherry, in what you're saying, it's just so laden with hopefulness. Yes. And what I hear you saying that's fascinating to me and revealing about contemplative prayer is that there's not only the experience you have in this moment of the prayer, but it's generative in a sense that it's actually changing you yes. in your kind of like basis state yes. so that fast forward after practice over time, if I understand you right, you might find yourself in a similar set of circumstances that historically might trigger shame yes or fear yes and might lack strong emotional bonds yes and therefore contribute to the sense of unworthiness yes. but instead through the practice it actually is changing your physiology and changing your spirit yes. so that you actually feel uh, and experience more union with god and more integration of soul yes. in other words it's not like this well that you have to keep coming back to because you're dry and you need filled again like a fix but instead it it, it has a it has a change over time that you carry with you
0: yes morgan yes and it's just like you said it's so hopeful like you know one of the wonders of living in this moment in history is that because of the developments technologically with brain imaging technology, we can actually now see the contrast between the brains of those who practice regular meditation and the brains of those who don't. And you actually see these places, the for example, the degree of thickness in the gray matter is greater than in those who practice contemplation and meditation than those who don't. And as one who has struggled with feeling like my brain is irrevocably damaged, it's just so hopeful to realize that it's not static and that triune love has made a way for my brain and body to heal such that stimulus that used to trigger a sense of self-hatred and self-rejection and terror of imminent expulsion, as I said, from the human race— No longer does. I have some growing grounding in the love of God. And to quote Dallas, you know, that the universe is a perfectly safe place to be. I used to hear Dallas say that, and it just it just baffled me. What are you talking about, Dallas? That the universe is a perfectly safe place to be because of God. And I I still have so far to go in experientially knowing what he's talking about, but I've touched it in moments where, because of the connectivity of the insistence of the Trinity to include us in God's life and to attach Christ's insistence on attaching himself to us, on making a way for us to be securely bonded and attached to him, not just in theory, but actually on the level of cell and neuron, that this is just awesome. It's just so, so, so hopeful. Morgan, I wanted to give a shout out to one of the teachers who's most formed me in this, and his name is Jim Finley. His spiritual director was actually Thomas Merton, and Jim Finley, or James Finley, spent um, several years at the, I believe it's called the Abbey of Gethsemane in Kentucky, where Merton was a Trappist monk, and under Merton's spiritual direction. And um, he's just really helped me on the nuts and bolts of the practice and also the foundations of the practice as it relates to our incredible wealth of inheritance in the traditions of Christianity, and um, particularly the mystics and contemplatives through the ages. And so I just wanted to offer his general guidelines for meditation that I think are just incredibly helpful. Is this a, would this be a good time no, to talk this? This is great. Let's hear them. Okay. I just love this. I just love it. So Jim Finley says this. He says, when it comes to the practice of meditation, with respect to the body, sitting still and sitting straight, eyes closed or lowered to the ground, slow, deep, natural breathing... With respect to the mind, present, open, and awake, neither clinging to nor rejecting anything as it relates to the sensory experience or the thoughts or sensations in the body that arise. And then with respect to attitude, non judgmental compassion as we find ourselves clinging to and rejecting everything. <laughs> and what I just love about that is the provision. The normalizing of my practices to neither cling to nor reject, not be reactive to the thoughts and senses that arise during the set aside time. And yet, part of the practice is non judgmental compassion of myself as I find. Myself habitually clinging to, rejecting, reacting to everything that comes across my field of perception. Mm. And it just delights me. It just feels like that delight, the surprising expanse of the gospel. Just, you're like, how was provision made for that Mm. part of my humanity? And it is, it's just gorgeous.
1: Non-judgmental compassion. Yes. I mean, were we to give ourselves permission to grow and mature in that alone? how much more would it open up our souls to God?
0: Yes, and, and to loving others. I mean, it's like as we develop increased capacity for nonjudgmental compassion for ourselves, then we increasingly can appreciate and love others. In the words of Brennan Manning, we can practice loving ourselves as we are, not as we, quote, should be. And we can practice loving others, delighting in them, cherishing them, experiencing tender affection, in the words of Paul, for others as they are, not as our perhaps internal evaluator or judge thinks that they should be. This is incredible. This to me feels like part of that. God making the impossible possible, making a way where there is no way for us to truly put on love as the highest virtue.
1: Sherry, as you speak of practicing, I think it's a really great segue into uh, what I would love to do next. There is nothing like practicing together. What you are suggesting is that this is a spiritual practice that is available to us every day, that there's some way to find a few minutes, like you did yesterday next to a dumpster, to just simply practice placing yourself in the presence of God in contemplation.
0: Morgan, before we shift into the practice, I want to offer one more thought, which is, although the practice of meditation through contemplative prayer in the Christian tradition is so central to me and has been so transformative, and I imagine will only Continue to be more so over the longevity of the practice, that I have benefited from every stream offered through the gospel as mined by Ransomed Heart. I know that the quietness and stillness within my mind and body that I am so enjoying in this season is also directly related to the disciplines and experiences of inner healing and discipleship and counseling and deliverance and the integration of my shattered places through contact with Jesus way deep inside, I reference these other streams that I might place this precious practice of contemplative prayer and the Practice of direct realization in my whole person of the ever present God in context of the other ways that the Trinity has delivered me and continues to deliver me and has rescued me and continues to rescue me and has healed me and integrated me and continues to heal and integrate me. I am so grateful for every stream of healing. And discipleship and counseling and integration that flows from the Godhead. That being said, I'd like to pray and then we'll move into our meditation. Jesus, Jesus, our brother, our brother. Jesus, we call to mind how Paul says in the first chapter of Philippians that he longs for us with the affection of Christ Jesus. What affection! dearest, dearest Lord, you must have for us that Paul had experientially tapped into. Jesus, we take our place now in the flow of your life, of your presence and your affection. Jesus, Father, Holy Spirit, we consecrate this time to you that we might know you, know you down to the marrow of our bones beyond the scope of words and deeper than our cognitions that we might know you god that we might know you present tense communion and union with you we ask for a greater measure of your life and we ask for deeper union father dearest jesus we read your words in the gospel of John. John records you saying that as you are in the Father and you are one with Father, you pray for us that we would be completely one with you, just as you are in Father and we are in you, that we might be in you and with you in deeper, ever deeper union, in Trinitarian fellowship. And oneness lead us into deeper union, God. Holy Spirit, lead us into deeper union. Thank you for this time. Morgan, as we move into a, a shared practice right now, I'm remembering um, a time a couple months ago when I was listening to some of Jim Finley's teaching on um, meditative practices in the Christian tradition. And I was driving while I was listening. And then he came to this part where he was going to lead us into a meditation. And he said, now, you don't want to do this while you're driving. And I just laughed out loud because I was feeling so ravenous for the practice. But I just felt so delightfully called out that it was, I I really was best for me to pull my car over if I was going to enter into (laughs) a meditative state. So, As we move into this, consider waiting for this next portion until you are able to sit down, perhaps for, you have a five to ten minute time where you could sit down rather than moving into this next section while you're driving or in the middle of a, a run or however else you might be listening to this podcast. Okay, let's practice together. Again, I'm borrowing heavily from one of The teachers that has formed me, his name is James Finley. And um, so I'm using and drawing on his general guidelines for meditation. Find a place that is conducive to meditation. A place that in itself is conducive to giving yourself to this practice in an unhurried and quiet way. In respect to the body, sitting still, sitting straight, Eyes closed or lowered to the ground. Slow, deep, natural breathing. Begin to notice on the inhale, perhaps the texture of your breath on the inside of your nostrils. On the exhale, perhaps the texture of your breath on the top of your lip. Begin to notice any place in the body, perhaps where you are holding or gripping. Perhaps you notice some accumulated tension in the shoulders. And on an exhale, you'd like to invite the shoulders to soften, as if the shoulders themselves could have revelation that it is perfectly safe to be alive in God's great universe. Perhaps inviting the face to soften, and at the same time on an inhale, feeling your naturally tall spine Sitting still and sitting straight, being an embodiment of the posture of the mind. In respect to the mind, present, open, and awake, neither clinging to nor rejecting anything that comes across the field of your mental or sensory perception. Notice what it feels like to be present, open, and awake in this unhurried and quiet way. Notice what it is like to set your intention to non-reactivity, to what comes across your field of perception, neither clinging to nor rejecting anything that comes, neither clinging to that which is pleasant that comes across your field of perception, nor rejecting that which is unpleasant Simply observing, letting the perception endure and then pass away. In respect to attitude, an intention of non judgmental compassion as we discover ourselves clinging to and rejecting everything, an intention to surround our being with tender affection being moved to our bowels, as it says in the New Testament of Christ, when Christ experienced compassion for the crowd who was harried and distressed. Like sheep without a shepherd, it says that Christ was moved with compassion. It means Christ was actually moved in his bowels. He had a sensory experience of tender affection, concern, pity, and a suffering with. And so we surround and set our intention to have non-judgmental compassion for ourselves when we find ourselves reacting, clinging to or rejecting our sensory experience or our mental activity. And now in a spirit of childlike faith, that God, the Trinity, is already fully present here, now, all around us, and within us, giving ourselves to the direct realization of the self giving, wholly given, fully loving, inexhaustibly embracing presence of the Triune God, Creator, Redeemer, and Sustainer, Christ in us, Christ with us, Christ with His attention set upon us, Christ's gaze upon us now as we set our intention to return the gaze of Christ in this time of quiet, unhurried practice. Consider reconnecting with the breath, taking a deep inhale, as if the vitality of Christ Could fill us. And on an exhale, experiencing the infilling and exhaling of the rhythmic life of God, always moving, always embracing, always receiving, always filling. Then consider perhaps on the inhale, allowing the phrase, I love you, to fill you, as God's insistence on loving you, as if God were saying to you, by name, I love you. There is nothing more required of you to somehow earn or secure my love. I, by my own intention, And delight. Give my heart wholly to you. I love you. Irrevocably, inviolately, I love you. I love you. On the exhale, consider allowing the response of your own being to be I love you in response to God, and allowing any accompanying sensations. Perhaps you feel a wave of sorrow, and you allow your sorrow to be a part of your I love you to God, a surrender to the truth that nothing stands in the way of God's intention to love you, that your sorrow is no obstacle to the loving intentions of God. Maybe as you exhale, I love you, you feel some distress or something troubling you. And you explore what it feels like to practice knowing that your troubledness, your distress, is no obstacle to the love of the Trinity for you. Inhaling, God's I love you, exhaling your soul's response, everything you are and everything you're not. Returning this love, unobstructed, unhurried, giving and receiving of love. Consider one more time, returning to the breath, taking an intentional inhale, allowing the acuity of the love of God, the particularity of the love of God for you, and the robust well-being that is within the Trinity to fill you. Touching every cell of your body, every cell of every organ, every neuron in your brain and elsewhere in your body, receiving a revelation of the love of God for you by name and face and story. And on the exhale, just letting the reality of your inextinguishable life in Christ fold out and unfold. Expansive, vast, who you are eternally and unendingly in the universe of God. We'll just take several more breaths here. And shared quiet, inhaling the self giving, I love you of God, wholly given, unending. And exhaling, practicing trust in the inextinguishable nature of our being within the life of God, fully known, fully seen, fully loved fully connected and included in the family an interactive knowing of God. Inhaling and exhaling here for several more moments. Triune God, thank you for the revelation of deep reality expressed in the face of Christ on the insistence of the divine life, of the community of the Trinitary, the community of the Trinity to give God's self wholly, that Jesus might be the firstborn of many brothers and sisters, that the inclusive family of God might be extend as far as the East is from the West, and that we find ourselves included in the very unending, vibrant, affectionate, ever-creative and co-creative life of God. Thank you for the revelation of reality expressed in Christ. God, we ask that you would continue to draw us more deeply into Trinitarian reality, that we might not Simply know about your love and your vitality and your well being and the intentions of your great heart that we might actually have knowledge of, that we might know it in our bellies and to the marrow of our bone. Thank you for this moment in time with these friends. In the name of the self giving Christ, present all around us. Amen.
1: Sherry, thank you for your leadership in that exercise. And friends, the intent is to give that as an example and also as an opportunity to return back to that practice. Anytime you want, you have that specific prayer experience available to you to practice the spiritual activity of of contemplative prayer. We are coming to a close on episode one of a three-part series here at the Become Good Soil podcast on contemplative prayer. And so we hope to join you again soon. And in the meantime, you can go to becomegoodsoil.com to the page that's specific for this podcast, and you can find a handful of resources that have helped to train Sherry and I and apprentice us as we've grown and matured a bit in this practice. We look forward to being with you together again soon.